We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back packers fans to the pack a day podcast it is the saturday edition of the pack a day podcast and i don't care if it's two days later we are still going to celebrate a huge victory by the green bay packers over the previously undefeated Arizona Cardinals in Arizona, in my hometown, in the bird box. We're going to review it. We're going to talk about it. But before I do, as always, got to introduce the team. I am Jason Perrone of the Packaday Podcast, Game on Wisconsin, the Quick Slides Podcast, along with Paul Reddle of Cheesehead TV, Dairyland Express, and the Packers Unrestricted Podcast, and Matt Fralick of Game on Wisconsin and the Final Dump. Right? Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? right. That's, no, you got it. I, my brain's trying to play tricks on me a little bit here. I am so excited. All three of us are back together for the. I think this is only the second time we've all been together. It's it, been rare. Yeah. It's been very rare. It's it been has. A, an odd, odd fall for all of us. And it's even more strange, like you said, going into this. <laughs> like the Friday, we got a Friday victory here, like Victory Friday, and we're recording for a Saturday podcast where we don't really have much to talk about other than gloat about a victory over an undefeated team. It's. It's a, it's a different change of pace for us. That is a good change of pace. I will take that. But as always, in staying on brand, the Saturday uh, Pack-A-Day podcast must start with the weather update. We always start as far east as we can go. So I did get a, a tweet from Jack A. or Jaka. I cannot tell how the name is pronounced, and he doesn't ever uh, correct me, in Poland, who says the we- just said, the weather is nice. Go Pack Go. He's very, very excited about the Packers' victory. He was a little disappointed I didn't go to the game, and I'm now disappointed in myself that I didn't go to this game in person. But... That's okay. I'm saving it up for the for the postseason. And then, as always, we go from east to west. And actually, that's back to you, gentlemen, in Green Bay. Matt Fralick is going to carry the torch this week. What are we looking like in the Dairyland state of Green Bay, Wisconsin? You know, it's going to be strange from the last home game, whenever the Packers do get their next game um, in Lambeau Field, obviously. It'll be against Seattle at some point. So you'll go from week seven versus the Washington football team, where it was still seasonable, I think, Paul and I were enjoying it and now once you get back into you know versus the Seattle Seahawks November 14th that's going to be crazy and it's kind of transitioning right now and when we're recording right now it's says it's 57 I think it's a little probably cooler than that gusty winds it's been overcast for a few days raining on and off Uh, next week we're even seeing some high 40s here so 
Paul's probably already revving up his uh, his, his snowblower and getting ready for you know that <laughs> November snow to sneak in on us, and I still have leaves to get off my yard because they all haven't fallen yet. So it's it's becoming more and more traditional as we get into the Halloween weekend. Paul, I still have to do the leaves as well. Paul, do you co-sign on that weather report? I do. It is. It's fall in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Every day is a little bit different. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, in Green in Green Bay. <laughs> In Phoenix, Arizona, we are still topping out in the high 80s, but dropping down into the mid-80s over the weekend and then uh, low 80s next week. So that's what we call fall creeping in here in the Phoenix area, although I really have nothing to complain about. No rain, sunshine, all the good things. Can't complain. It's beautiful. Once again, I love, 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 love. It's the reason why I live here. When you get into that, I love watching winter football on TV. I just don't like necessarily being in it. So happy to watch it from afar in in, uh, Green Bay, but didn't need to go very far from where I sit in Scottsdale, Arizona for this game on Thursday night. Gentlemen, a big victory by the Green Bay Packers over the Arizona Cardinals. We're each going to talk about our biggest takeaway from this game, but just some quick general thoughts. Matt, I got to start with the let's let's start at the start at the end. I mean, what you know, walk us through that last play, the feelings, the feeling that you had and then obviously how you're feeling now. With the Packers being seven and one and a top, suddenly a top the NFC. It's wild. I mean, I think my expectation was they were going to lose. I think a lot of people had that as we trended towards Thursday night. The last three or four plays were kind of bizarre. They get that long completion to get inside the twenty. I think it was Rondell Moore who had a pretty decent game on Thursday night. Uh, the rookie just kind of breaking out even a little bit more in that offense and. All of a sudden, then that next play, Kyler takes off and just instantly runs the pylon. He's short, second and short, runs it now third and short, and he's a little banged up. And then at that point, I want to say Troy Aikman kind of jinxed it and said, hey, you know, more than likely, this at, at the very minimum, they're showing Aaron Rodgers, this game's going into overtime following player at least the one after that if it throws a turnover troy forgot about option c um and that that was a <laughs> it was right. a wild play it was a fluky play right it's just super bizarre that you'd see a veteran do that and it, it, it wasn't anything that i saw that was different from what arizona was doing inside the inside the 20 right they're really going uh you know spread offense stacks on either side little mm-hmm. rpo and then throw it out i think they had a maybe did they have two receivers on that right side at that point? But one. at the end of the day... At, on like, the green play, one. it was one. He was isolated. Yeah, so it's like, why Why was he not looking for the ball? And I've watched that clip time and time again, and it makes no sense. Um, Heady play right by Rasul Douglas. You know, he had good coverage on it, but to be able to tip it up to himself, assuring the feed in bounds as well, and against his former team that he's on the practice squad with, it's it was a wild, wild result because I expected to stay up a little bit later, record final dump at about midnight, get to bed about 1 o'clock, and it turned out to... they somehow pull out the turnover and it, it was it was quite the quite the game and I think there's a lot of injuries across the board for them and, and you know DeAndre Hopkins not being in Kyler like I mentioned on that last couple plays he was banged up I think if he's got his legs under him they he probably scrambles at one point gets even closer if not gets out of bounds with that 14 seconds so it, it really shook out for the Packers just to be a fluke play and they took advantage of it so it is would have been the most Packers at Arizona thing for them to go into overtime mm-hmm. in that game. And you've got Matt oh, yeah. Prater, and i got to tell you, so living in the Phoenix area, I have always had this disdain for the Cardinals because they've usually been bad, and then they'll sneak in there and they'll beat the Packers in the playoffs on the one good year that they have. Or every time Green Bay comes to Arizona, we never catch the Cardinals on a down year. It's always when they're really good. And I've also had this thing, I don't know why 
But when Matt Prater tur- came to the Lions, I started just giving him a hard time and just, you know, I always I always get on him when he's he's kicking field goals and he's just kind of one of those personalities as a kicker that loves to bug me and then he threw the touchdown against the Packers and that's that, that uh, trick play in 2018 when everything was over at the end of the year. So, for him not to get a chance to tie this game was absolutely a big that was a, like a double win. Double win for me. Paul, I know you're very excitable, so I'm sure it was crazy at the Brettle household when that last play ended. And for those of you who have listened to the show, you know Paul is the absolute voice of reason, steady Eddie on our show. But you had to be a little excited when the Packers came away with a big win. I mean, 100%. It was really quite a wild swing of emotions in what, like 10 minutes real time, five minutes real time. I mean, we go from thinking Aaron Jones punched it in to Packers are up by 10, there's three, four minutes left, whatever it was, to all of a sudden, here's the Cardinals marching down the field. They're in the red zone where we know the Green Bay Packers have had their struggles. So it really was just a wild, wild swing of emotion. But in in regards to A.J. Green not looking, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury said after the game that Kyler Murray called a check at the line of scrimmage, and he never heard it. So, I mean, credit to the Packer fans that were there in Arizona for making it loud because A.J. Green didn't hear what was changed. But, I mean, there needs to be some sort of awareness on his part, right? Because it looked like he thought it was going to be a run play. But as a veteran with 15 seconds left and no timeouts, they obviously weren't going to run the ball. So that mental lapse or whatever you want to call it was a gift for the Green Bay Packers and, of course, a heck of a play by Razul Douglas. And one thing I just want to mention in addition to all that is these veteran additions this year, particularly in the Cardinals game, and they've been making, you know, they've all been popping up at various times throughout the season, but when we look at the impact plays, Devondre Campbell, he had a sack, couple tackles for loss. Again, he was super steady in coverage. Russell Douglas, of course, had the interception. He led the team in tackles. Randall Cobb had two receiving touchdowns. Whitney Merciless, he had three pressures. That was tied for the most on the team uh, on Thursday night. And then Corey Bajorquez, the punter, he hit that, what, 58-yarder, and he pinned Rondale Moore on the sidelines. And I don't know punting, but I am going to give Corey Bohorquez the credit for the Rondale Moore misplaying that one. Maybe there's mm-hmm. some funky spin. I don't know. But either way, you go through all five of those players. They all had very key, crucial impact plays throughout the course of that game and all played big parts in helping the Green Bay Packers come out with the win. And they were all veteran additions made at various points this offseason. And really the earliest, earliest addition was Campbell, and that was in June. So it's not like any of these guys were, you know, right when free agency opens, Green Bay Packers are going out and getting the big name. You know, we know that's not their style typically, but they've all they all have come up big through various points over the season. But collectively in this Arizona game, all five of them made some really important plays. It will never not baffle me that players are still putting their hands up after they've held, touched a ball and didn't want the ref to know they touched it did something they weren't pass interference as soon as those hands go up you know there's a problem and that's exactly what the returner did for Arizona and sure enough muff punt Bohorkas has been just fantastic I mean not since the days of Craig Hentrick and and maybe I'm forgetting some along the way there but have the Packers had such a reliable weapon and that is a big deal it flips the field and when the when the weather gets colder I trust him that he's going to hold up and kick well. You know, J.K. Scott didn't always do that. It was kind of iffy. And when you get late in the season and you don't flip the field like you're supposed to, I mean, if they have to if they have to kick out of the back of their end zone, 
we used to be like, okay, well, they're, they're, the opponent's going to be starting on like the 40, you know, on Green Bay's 40. And now it's like, you know, they'll probably be on the other side of midfield, which is really all you can ask for when you're kicking that far. So love, love the punter. Love that we're able to talk about him seemingly every single week. And yeah, I, I just thought that the Cardinals had some really shifty runs. Uh, you know, they, they had Connor was, was really good in this game. And it was like, you know, I, I, if I'm AJ green, I would have been like, yeah, give the ball to one of our speedsters and let them take off and let them tear it up and try and pick up these yards or even Kyler Murray himself. But it's a pass that does not even get seen and the Packers pick it off. They get a huge win. I was absolutely just, I was stunned, absolutely stunned because I just, you know, I already have in the back of my mind, this is going to be a very daunting task. I obviously didn't have very high expectations. I would not have picked the Packers had I done a pick of any kind. Uh, I, I didn't, uh, couldn't do quick slants because my voice was not great earlier this week. So Jacob Westendorf filled in for me and he did pick Arizona on, on my show, even though he knew I wouldn't. So, hey, loving it. Absolutely loving it. But we're going to talk about our biggest takeaways from this game. We've each picked one. We're going we're gonna to give some love to both sides of the ball. But before we get to that, Paul, we'll start with you and your biggest takeaway from this game and some of the nuggets related to it. Yep, so I come out um, every week before the game with a Final Thoughts article. It's just basically bullet points. It's a brain dump. It's everything I'm thinking about the Packers, their opponent, the upcoming matchup. And one of the bullet points, the more important ones that I highlighted, was the time of possession battle. Um, now that goes without saying, time of possession, you know, generating more turnovers. Those are things that you want to do every single week. You want to win that. But this Green Bay Packers team, if it's close in time of possession or even if they lose more times than not just because of the offense that they have, Aaron Rodgers, they can overcome that. But my point with the time of possession this week in particular was they didn't just need to win it. They needed to dominate it because this is an Arizona offense, as we know, that is explosive. They are sixth in explosive play rate this season, which are passes of at least 20 yards. They were scoring 32 points per game before entering uh, the Green Bay, the, their matchup with the Green Bay Packers. So it sounds weird to say with the Packers offense in the Aaron Rodgers era that we don't want the Green Bay Packers to get into a back and forth, a high scoring matchup. That was not going to be the recipe for success in this game. Kyler Murray is an MVP candidate. DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, and Christian Kirk are all on pace for 1,000-yard seasons. Rondale Moore is very close. He's on pace for 900 and some. They just acquired Zach Ertz at tight end. James Conner has a nose for the end zone. And Chase Edmonds, he's averaging almost six yards per rush. You get the point. This is not an offense that the Green Bay Packers, especially without Devontae, without Alan Lazard, no David Bakhtiari, that they wanted to get into a back-and-forth matchup with. So controlling the time of possession was a must. And Green Bay absolutely did that, and a big part of it was their success uh, in running the football. So the final numbers, Green Bay had the ball for 37 minutes and 35 seconds. Arizona had it for just 22 minutes and 25 seconds. That's over 10 and a half minutes less than their average this season. So can you imagine how much different this game would have been if Arizona was around the 30-minute mark in time of possession? Green Bay would have lost. I mean, they only won by three as it is. And as a result of having less time of possession, they ran less plays. They only ran 55 versus their usual, uh, almost 67 is what they're averaging out to. Again, if Arizona had 12 more plays, this game very likely ends in a loss for the Green Bay Packers. So time of possession, like I said, it's always important. But against this offense, with Green Bay not having uh, some of their key players on the offensive side of the ball, they really needed to control the clock, control the ball game. 
um, in keeping this Arizona offense on the field. And it's kind of ironic to say that because, honestly, that's an approach that most of the Packers' opponents take when they're playing Green Bay. Hey, let's keep Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines. But that was Green Bay's recipe for success, one of the one of the ingredients anyways, and they did it perfectly. Yeah, it's matchups and you want to exploit, you want to exploit, I mean, you have to self-scout. You have to know where your your opportunities <clears throat> don't lie. And there was there was going to be some, you know, there was going to be some issues on both sides of the ball. But I think also the, the offense being able to take a little bit of chunks out of there too. Offense can be the defense too for the Packers. You know, that was that was very, very helpful. And, and obviously it's something that Aaron Rodgers does really well. You know, I mean, I remember back in the day when, they, you know, Rodgers under the McCarthy days, he would run that quick hurry up and, you know, he would do the, the quick run offense. And it's just it's been more methodical. And the Packers are realizing, hey, keep the defense rested, get, stay on the field. There's a good chance we're going to punch it in at the end. It looks like the red zone situation. The Packers have definitely figured out that red zone problem. Man, in the last two games, they have been excellent in the red zone, both on offense and defense. Obviously, the last play of the game being like one of the pinnacles of success. And the, the Packers have really clamped down and. Remember, no Joe Barry. Uh, he was he was out, so you got different play callers there as well. But very good point there, Paul. I mean, obviously the, the time of possession is big, and it seems like the, that's a trend in the Lafleur era in general. If they if they win the time of possession, they do pretty well. Um, Matt, before we jump into yours, um, and we need to hit some news that I for, neglected to share at the mm-hmm. at the top of the show. But as far as time of possession and the way the offense was able to control the ball, control the clock. I, I noticed it right away, and it was it's like, got to have it. It was very impressive. I'm sure you noticed the same thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they stuck with it the entire time, right? The the time of possession was huge, I think. Also, you talked – what Paul's mentioning is just like so spot on. Like 12 more plays, I think it could have even been less than that because you look at the first downs that they were able to get, the third downs, it's very comparable to what the Packers did with almost 15 minutes of gameplay even longer. Mm-hmm. Like that's the part to me that is crazy. And they, they won the turnover battle by th- – like they didn't even turn the ball over. They had it. Like there was – there's so many things stacked in the Packers' favor, and it was still this freaking close. And I think the formula that was to get keep the ball out of Kyler's hands – Luckily, DeAndre Hopkins was banged up, so he was super limited, really only got involved you know, when they were on the other side of the 50 in Packers territory. I think that was really important. But, I mean, they obviously came in with a, a plan in this game, and it, it worked out to, I don't want to say perfection, because they did get stagnant um, a few times inside you know, the five-yard line, and maybe the play calling was there. Matt LaFleur's already put his hand up, said, hey, I screwed up. I got to call better plays there. But it's, it's definitely a, a sign for things to come as we get into November, December ball. Yeah, and obviously the run game, big mm-hmm. part of the success, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And then this kind of ties in a little bit with some of the news that I should have led with at the top, so my bad. A little bit of news broke on Friday. I think we got confirmation of what we were already fearful of when the Packers finished up on Thursday night, which was an update on the injury to Robert Tunyon. Tight end Robert Tunyon confirmed it was an ACL tear, and his season is over. He will go on injured reserve. And running back Kylan Hill took a huge hit on the kickoff return that he so frustrating and ill-advisedly brought out of the end zone. Took a huge shot. Um, I'm forgetting the Arizona player that was injured on the play. Hopefully he is okay as well. He was taken off the field with a concussion. It was just a a nasty play. It's one of those we need to reevaluate the kickoff situation type of plays because it's just absolutely insane. But Kylan Hill's injury also going to end his season. So the Packers get the victory, but it's costly 
they lose two pieces. Kylan Hill was starting to get some carries on offense. He's a, a contributor on special teams. And obviously Robert Tunyon, although not having the same season this year as he did last year, still a big part of the offense. I know he's got a good relationship with the quarterback, and he's one of the heart and souls of this team. Just such a big personality out there. So before we were recording, we talked about the depth and how the Packers really have just been able to mitigate guy after guy. And like, you know, like I said, Tunyon hasn't been what he was last this year, the same as he was last year, and his blocking has been a little suspect. So in terms of how we should be feeling, because guys, I gotta be honest with you, these these two have hit me pretty hard. And it's mm-hmm. just been the the tagline of this season. And it's one of the reasons why I just try to pace myself as we go through the season, because on any given day, you could lose a guy. And the Packers are getting used to it, unfortunately, this year after having some pretty good luck the last couple seasons. So, Paul, starting with you, uh, just the loss of Tunyon and Hill and and the Packers' ability to mitigate it. How concerned are you? I mean, the, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Tunyon injury, it's a season ender, obviously. But I think of all the injuries that the Packers have sustained this season, and again, let me know if I'm forgetting someone, but this is the first one where we know it's a season ender. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Jair, we don't know. He may come back yet. And I, uh, Lafleur said earlier this week, there's optimism around that. Zadarius Smith, again, we don't know the extent of the back surgery and injury but he's flying back to Green Bay or he's back in Green Bay now and said, can't wait to get back on the field yep. with my with my brothers. So again, those were two major injuries, but to get, there was hope, you know, that we're all holding on to that both could return. And then the, you know, Bakhtiari will come back. Everyone else is going to come back at some point. So this is the first one that they've sustained where we know Robert Tunney isn't going to be back. And I mean, you, you said it, Jason, it's a big loss for this offense. He's one of, you know, Rogers go to targets. And even though his numbers are down this season, Justin out the tight ends coach, he's very quick to point out that just because he's not showing up on the stat sheet like he did a year ago, Robert Tunyon does so much for this offense when it comes to blocking and uh, chipping edge rushers. We saw him lay out Bosa of, mm-hmm. in San Francisco, you know, him, Mercedes Lewis, DeGuaro, they've all been big parts in helping this offense line, particularly the tackles hold it together during these last this last month, month and a half of football, basically the entire season um, against some very good edge rusher groups. In terms of what he brings as a blocker with Mercedes Lewis, DeGuara, Dominique Daphne, Green Bay, not that Green Bay won't miss him. I'm not saying that by any means, but they should be able to absorb that aspect of it a lot better, just given who they have in the tight end room already. Where he's really going to be missed is his pass catching abilities, the attention that he draws from opposing defenses. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, he's having a very nice year for uh, as a pass catcher. He's already got more yards than what he did in 2020, but he's still going to be the traditional wide tight end in this offense. That's his responsibility. That's what he's exceptional at. DeGuara and Daphne, they're the do-it-all H-backs, uh, but they only have eight career targets between them. And as Jason pointed out beforehand, one of those to Daphne is a touchdown, so bonus points for that and double bonus because it was against the Bears. But again, they're not, they don't have that same level of experience that Robert Tunyon does. But so those two are really going to have to step up and uh, help do their best to try to, you know, mitigate his absence. But ultimately, this is going to be a group effort. It's not going to fall on just DeGore or just Daphne. It's going to take Lewis. And as we talked about beforehand, 
when you got bigger bodied receivers like an Al Mazard, like an Equinemius St. Brown, not that we're going to see them lining up in line like a tight end, but Tanyan played in the slot quite a bit. You know, those are routes that those two can handle. So it's going to be by committee to help replace the lost production, specifically in the red zone where he was very, very good last season. It's going to take everybody to help try to mitigate the loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, Matt, kicking it over to you, we talked a lot about Tunyon or Paul talked a lot about Tunyon, maybe a little bit more on Kylan Hill, because I know that you're one of your big takeaways is is on the offensive side of the ball and has something to do with the run game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Definitely, definitely. I think Paul hit it out of the park, too, with the Tunyon. Like, his statistically, he's been a little bit down, but he's just so sure-handed. But and the thing with Kylan Hill is, like, he had flashes of versatility, right? We saw that in preseason. He was getting involved a little bit in the offense thus far. Decent kick returner, you know, questionable mistake last night. But I think there was some point of maybe him taking over the punt return situation, too. And it, it sucks to see him go down because I felt like, between him and Amari Rogers, I was way more confident with 32 out there at any spot than Amari Rogers. So it, it's it's unfortunate because you wanted to see the growth, you wanted to see the the wrinkles that maybe would come later in the season in the Matt Lafleur offense w- with Kylan Hill. So it's it's pretty disappointing. Now you have to assume Amari Rogers would take over the kick return situation. He he was okay last night. Um, but he did have that fumble towards the end of that one punt. I, I'm I'm not overly confident with him. I think he probably added a little bit of a, a confidence boost after you know getting so many snaps last night without the top three receivers gone. So maybe that does a little bit to his his abilities and his 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 moxie out on there on the field. But losing Kylan Hill is an unfortunate spot because I was very excited after the preseason and it it's unfortunate. And you look at the you know the running game which is my takeaway from this game, I think. And it pairs extremely well with Paul Brettel's, uh, you know, his emphasis of the, the clock management because that's how you control the clock, right? It is either somehow, some way you're having all these turnovers and they had turnovers, but they, they established the run early on. And one of my favorite things about the way they established the run is now we're, we're not only are we controlling the clock and keeping the ball at Kyler, Kyler Murray's hands, but 
this is kind of one of the situations and I references on yesterday's final dump episode is like where the Chiefs now have came to this stagnant point after a year and a half, two years, whatever you want to call it with with Patrick Mahomes where it's like home run shots to Travis Kelsey, grand slam shots to Tyreek Hill, dinking and dunking to the running backs and, and that their brand of football has be kind of become known where now you have the Green Bay Packers who this year entire year haven't really been that aired out offense and they even doubled down on that on Thursday night. They're like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to run the ball 30 plus times for over 150 yards and this is the different blend of offense we can play. We can we can throttle it up. We can throttle it back. We can throw it into second gear. We can hit it into fifth gear. Like they can do whatever they want. And the fact that they're able to do that with the personnel is incredible. And I can only imagine what the run game is going to look like once they get their top five offensive linemen back. However, you want to shake that out. It's it's going to be even more effective, I would imagine. Unfortunately, you know, I think the one problem they do have is, you know, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are great. Uh, but at some point it would be nice to have a third guy in there. And I know that's, that's being very greedy, honestly, that, that it's kind of ridiculous, but the way they complement each other, uh, the matchup issues that Aaron Jones has even just emerged even more this year with his pass catching AJ Dillon, not really that much of a threat when it comes to uh, receiving the ball, but in between the tackles, get out of the way like that, that, that run he had against um, was like, did he go up against Jordan Hicks? He just blew him over like to get the first down. Like he, he, he is nothing flashy. He is, but he's absolutely everything that his nickname has with Quadzilla. So I was really, really impressed with the run game, just in the aspect that it paired well with Paul's um, what the focus point he had and also just the way they control the game. Cause without that run game, I don't think they win this game. And I don't even think it's really that close. I think they probably don't even cover because you got to imagine Kyler's going to have the ball in his hands more often in the second half. They kind of got into a rhythm where in the first half, they didn't really have that opportunity with the, the turnovers and the way the Packers were controlling the ball. So I I'm expecting too as we get into November and December and these colder, you know, frozen tundra uh these games and road games like they're gonna be able to rely on this run game a lot and i think this is a little feather in their cap is the front seven of the the cardinals very good no is it probably pretty bad when jj watt's gone too yeah it's it's not great at all but the fact that they were able to do that with a depleted offensive line and just control the control the trenches basically the entire game on offense is is amazing to me and basically they were so confident in it from goal line to the the 10 that's the part where it's like you know they were doing it on fourth down they're doing it on short yardage of third downs but when in the, when it really mattered they had to punch it in they they didn't do that so i hope matt lafleur learns from that and they, this becomes just another a, a quiver like or an arrow in their quiver as they go on into these 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 colder months but i'm i was very impressed with it i didn't expect them to stick with it the entire game too i thought that at some point um matt lafleur and aaron would get a little bit you know, aggressive, get a little bit angsty that they want to throw the ball around and that didn't happen. And they continue to stick with that. And it was a, a hell of a game from both 33 and 28. Well, and, and we know that a lot of that becomes 12 at the line of scrimmage and he gets excited mm-hmm. and starts calling his own number, oh, yeah. which listen, I, there's a, a, a ton of guys, absolutely a ton of guys that I would never want to do that over Aaron Rodgers because he is absolutely trustworthy hundred percent. So the obvious, I guess, you know, Matt, I'll steal your phrase from earlier today, low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. takeaway now when you look at the Packers in terms of their roster is Patrick Taylor is on the practice squad. Otherwise, the Packers don't have another running back. We saw a little bit of Taylor in the preseason, but there's a reason why Kylan Hill's on the active roster and Patrick Taylor is not. They're not the same type 
of back, but I would assume that the Packers are going to elevate Patrick Taylor. You're going to need a third guy. You know, and you mentioned don't get greedy, but you know we want to knock on wood and cross our fingers because Aaron Jones. The Packers are going to need both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. You talked about the cold weather; it hurts to tackle in cold weather. Do you want AJ? Do you want to tackle AJ Dillon? In the mm-hmm. winter, but Matt, just your thought, Patrick Taylor coming up and, and obviously now you've got a guy who hasn't played any snaps, has no, no game reps here. So the Packers kind of now become a little shorthanded. Now, fortunately, their one and two guys are absolutely phenomenal, but in terms of just sheer numbers, they become a little bit limited without Kylan Hill now. Yeah, definitely. And I think I honestly forgot Patrick Taylor was even on the practice squad, but the fact that they could elevate him is I think it's a, it's a nice luxury to have. I think he flirted with maybe even making the 53 this this year. I think he had a good uh, preseason. It, it sounded like he was a, an established running back that they can trust a little bit. Does he get some work more than Kylan Hillwood in the backfield? More than likely, but is he going to be as effective in you know the the special teams? No, more than I, I, probably not is my guess. But I, I think it's a it's a nice luxury to have Patrick Taylor to elevate him. It seems like that's a, a an absolute slam dunk. When will they do that? I'm not sure. They have a long time coming right now. They have all these guys on IR that they might elevate. They you got to see how it all shakes out and where things go. What they're going to value you now at tight end. What they're going to value at receiver with Tanya now with Kylan Hill. It's gonna it's all going to kind of shake out. But luckily they have time on their side and they can kind of sit and wait and see how these guys progress to get the best 53 out there. But I would imagine elevating a third running back in Patrick. It would make the most sense an outside look from someone. I don't even know who that would be at this point. If there's anyone out there, running backs have been kind of floating all around the last couple of weeks in the NFL. Maybe they grab someone, but I don't, I don't think that's the case, but good. Good. has proved me wrong a couple of times this year with going and get acquisitions like Whitney merciless and Jalen Smith. So maybe he goes and gets a running back, but I, I think it'll be a nice, another guy to have. It's at least a name we're comfortable with. And I think the offense should be as well. It's been a week. So it's, he's due good. He hasn't made a move in a week. That's a little unlike him, right? After, what 10 years of no movement at all so yeah we'll see what the Packers end up doing in terms of uh, whether they want to fortify that position there Paul I'm sure amongst all of the other billion great pieces of work that you did in the preseason you probably previewed a little bit of the roster and then gave some Patrick Taylor insight so just some quick thoughts before we kick it around and sign off here on Patrick Taylor potentially coming up and if there's if there's a role for him and what that might look like in your eyes I am a Patrick Taylor fan. Um, I think I've talked about him on here during the summer. I know I've written about him, but he is just a a very good fit for this LeFleur offense because he's a well-rounded back. Not saying that he has necessarily the explosiveness that a Kylan Hill does, but during his time at Memphis, we saw that he could hold his own in pass protection. He was very effective out of the backfield as a pass catcher and, of course, running the ball as well. So I've always liked him in this Packers offense just because of that well-rounded skill set and what we know Matt LaFleur does and that we know Matt LaFleur desires that from his running backs. You have to be able to do all three. And if we look back at someone like Dexter Williams, who's no longer on the team, Pass catching and pass protection were two issues for him, and that's why he's not a Packer currently. Um, as far as his role, it's going to be, you know, it's Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. This is their show. Patrick Taylor's going to see some special team snaps. If I had to guess who the kick returner will be, uh, maybe they try Mari Rogers, but right now I would I would guess it would be Malik Taylor. That's who the 
used last year. That's who they put in once Kylan Hill left. So Taylor will see some special team snaps. I think if I remember correctly, he did handle a few kick returns during the preseason. So maybe they explore that avenue as well. But in terms of offense, it's like I said, the Dylan and Jones show. They're going to get the bulk of the carries. I wouldn't expect to see much of Taylor. You know, we didn't, as much as, as highly as Matt LaFleur spoke of Kylan Hill, we still didn't see much of him just because of who was in front of him. But I do like the fit that Patrick Taylor brings to this offense. And one other thing I just want to add in regards to the run game in general that Matt had, had discussed was what was really impressive to me was that I think all of us knew that the Green Bay Packers' path to victory was going to be on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I mean, even if Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard were available, this is a Cardinals defense that's been very, very tough to pass on. I think the run game was still going to be crucial to Green Bay's success, even if those two were there. So you take them out of the equation, it becomes even more important. So if we knew that, we knew we know that the Arizona Cardinals knew that as well. We They knew Green Bay was going to try to run the ball. And for the most part, they still couldn't stop them. The interior offensive line, the offensive line in general, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both ran extremely hard. They won in the trenches. They controlled the game in the trenches. And when you know you're going to run the ball, your opponent knows you're going to run the ball, and you are still running the ball effectively, that is domination in football. No, absolutely. And and Matt, you mentioned a depleted uh, offensive line, and I'm not so sure anymore that, that – we can say that because the guys that have played have just stepped up and, and done fantastic. And maybe in another show, when we talk about uh, the offensive line, we break that down a little bit further. But just a great win for the Packers. They're top the NFC now. Big win in Arizona. Big road victory. Improbable. This team is really starting to show some of their true colors, and those colors are shining bright. They're looking really, really good. And they get a uh, again, they get a big, big victory in AZ. So before we sign off here, we'll go around the horn with what everybody's working on for this week. Paul, over at Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, and Packers Unrestricted, what do we got going on on an unusual week with no Packers football on Sunday? It is. Uh, if you want to get my thoughts, and I touched on some of them here during this episode, but my overall thoughts on the game, um, after every game over at Cheesehead TV, I have behind the numbers where I look at stats, figures from the game that I think really defined Green Bay's performance and helped define the game. And then over at Dairyland Express, I have my three big things after each game as well. So please check those out. Good, good stuff. And Matt Freilich, the final dump on an unusual week this week. Does that change your schedule? Is it your topic? Anything? I mean, for this weekend, I, I'm just worried about this weekend, man. I'm going to throw on a different jersey. Like, <laughs> I, I got a Lamar Jackson Louisville jersey. I know I'm on a bye week, but I'm going to throw, like, non-Packers jersey and just enjoy the weekend, right? <laughs> kind of reset, check the beat, see what the injury report is. That's my biggest thing is to see where this health comes from, right? I mean, we know some definitive ones that happened on Thursday. But where Jair Zadarius is and Bakhtiari getting elevated, just to see where where it all shakes out and how they how they improve and you know look towards planning up against the Chiefs team. Do a little scouting on the Chiefs possibly, and we'll we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, final dump game on Wisconsin. That'll be out every Friday again, and it's it's nice to have a some time off, get a little reset as we get into the the dog days of this NFL season. So check us out on Game on Wisconsin along with all the other content we're putting out, and Jason's on there as well. Yeah, a little stress-free Sunday, although I would take the stress in another Packers game if I had to, but these guys need some rest, and they do well, very well deserve it. So Quick Slants podcast will be out on Monday and Thursday as usual, and we will be back next week, Friday, hopefully previewing the return of some of these players from the injury as we're going to get back to doing the injury report ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs game. So definitely, everybody enjoy 
What is the weekend that is upcoming? Enjoy the Packers victory. Continue the celebration. As always, everybody, stay warm as the weather turns cooler into fall. Stay safe and go Pack Go. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.